0: Gentlemen, people of all gender identities, extraterrestrials, spirits from beyond the grave, wherever you are, however you're listening, welcome in to the Dewar Dynasty podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Horn, uh, here with my co-host, as I always will be, Brady Mellinger and Nick Sarep. Boys, how we doing? I'm living the dream, Andrew.
1: Regular season's right around the corner. As you can tell by the tone of my voice, I could not be more excited.
2: Yeah, you sound super excited, Brady. I could really hear that pouring out of you. But uh, in all seriousness, super excited to be doing this. We're going to bring a lot of good hard facts, probably a lot of fun opinions, and uh, couldn't be doing it with anyone better.
0: Now, let's hope so. Uh, as you can maybe tell by the tone of my voice, uh, slight congestion, a little bit under the weather, so um will not always sound like this, but... Um... Let's hope not. Let's dive right in. (laughs) Let's dive right in. Um, Today we're talking wide receivers. Wide receivers are the building blocks of your Dynasty Fantasy Football team. The most important piece for long-term success. Um, That being said, we're going to start out with one wide receiver that we each want to avoid at all costs. Um, This is a guy that we are not picking in drafts. Um, that we are not trying to trade for, um, you know, everyone has a value at a certain price, but based on how these guys are priced right now, not trying to trying to add them to our teams at the moment. Um, Brady, why don't you start us off? Yeah, I'll kick us off with a very controversial one. My wide receiver that I'm avoiding
1: at all costs this year is Michael Thomas. That might come as a shock to some of you, but here's some things to think about. He doesn't have his Hall of Fame quarterback Drew Brees anymore which is the only NFL quarterback that Michael Thomas has had. Uh, So we don't know if Michael Thomas will have similar success with another QB or not. On top of that, no one knows who the Saints quarterback is going to be in the future. I'd honestly feel better if it was Jameis Winston. But I think Sean Payton is dead set on his Taysom Hill experiment. Last year was the first time in Michael Thomas' career that he struggled with injuries. Uh, He suffered a high ankle sprain. Then he suffered a quad injury after returning from the ankle and then he was placed back on IR for the ankle injury when he tried returning from the quad injury. As we've all heard by now, he waited months to get his ankle surgery instead of getting it fixed right away. Although he should have no more issues after recovering from the surgery uh, due to the type of surgery he had, he did ghost the Saints medical staff and coaching staff for most of the offseason. We've been told that the relationship issues between the parties have been solved, but I'm not convinced because Michael Thomas has traditionally been one of the pillars of the saints organization. And so this kind of little rift in the relationship uh, tells me that there are relationship issues between the two parties uh, and those have not been, been solved yet. So I'm saying that Michael Thomas has a strong chance of being on a new team in the next year or two. And that's not always a good thing. The grass is not always greener somewhere else. A lot of people have been telling me that I'm forgetting how good Michael Thomas was before 2020, but I didn't forget. I just don't think he's going to be the same Michael Thomas anymore.
2: Yeah, I hear that, Brady. Um, I think there's a lot to be nervous about in the case of Michael Thomas in the immediate future and possibly even long-term. But uh, for me to completely avoid him seems, you know, out of the cards, but I'm not taking him until it's it's late in the draft. I hear you.
0: You know, um, Dynasty is a difficult place to determine this. I don't think uh, I will like him. I'm not sure exactly where his ADP is at in redraft right now. Um, but in running some mocks, I've I've seen it pretty high. Like, I don't think I'd take him before the double-digit rounds. Um, Dynasty is obviously a different question. Um, I think he still has some long-term value. I also, you know, don't know if that's going to be with the Saints' sticky situation. Now, we are recording this on Monday night, and uh, news broke this weekend that Sean Payton was looking to name a starting quarterback very soon. Uh, James Winston got the start tonight for the, the Saints. He looked good, too. Um, he did. He, looked, he has looked, he looked good. Really good. He has some some nice nice touchdown passes to uh, Marquez Calloway, someone that, I mean, if he's on your waiver wire in Dynasty, which I know he was for us, around the time the Michael Thomas news broke, if he's on your waiver wire, scoop him up. Um, you know, could be seeing Jameis this year. I think that will be better for Michael Thomas's fantasy value. Um, but then again, you know, after the season, who knows where he ends up. All right, moving on... Uh, Nick, Nick, who's the wide receiver that you're avoiding at all costs?
2: Yeah, so this one for me is pretty easy, especially just because if I'm avoiding him where he's currently being drafted, there's really not a time and place where I'm going to be picking him. It's Marquise Brown. Um, once dubbed Hollywood Brown, I don't know that he's very deserving of that nickname anymore, but that's up for the people to decide, I guess. Um Yeah, I don't know. Marquise Brown, 58% catch rate on a team that threw the ball 380 times last year. That doesn't scream hyper-efficient to me, and it certainly doesn't scream for a large target share, especially considering the team brought in Sammy Watkins and then drafted two wide receivers and Rashad Bateman and Talon Wallace. With Mark Andrews already in the mix, it it seems hard for Marquise Brown to lock down a target share that's going to lead to enough value to play him any given week.
0: They really do just keep adding receivers to that room. So it was what Devin Duvernay last year. Yep. Um, then obviously you got two drafted receivers this year, Sammy Watkins in free agency. It doesn't
2: scream a lot of confidence.
0: No, no, it does not. Maybe they're just trying to see throw stuff at the wall for Lamar and see what sticks. Uh, the receiver that I'm avoiding this year is is DJ Chark. Now, I I've come I've come a, a long way on my thinking of DJ Chark. I. Um, picked him up uh, during his breakout season in a redraft league. Um, loved loved what he contributed. Um, he's been too inconsistent for my liking. Um, DJ Chark was a highly drafted receiver, second round, I believe, but yep. the talent to me has not shown through on the field. He's had plenty of opportunities as the number one receiver there. He has struggled with some injuries and, you know, wasn't getting top-level quarterback play, but I – I just don't see the talent shining through with DJ Chark, and on top of that, the coaching staff, the new coaching staff in in Jacksonville, uh, is just doesn't seem to to like him. Um, they Urban Meyer came out earlier this offseason season and criticized his 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 weight, his build, his playing weight. Um, said he needed to get bigger and stronger. Uh, and on top of all that, um, they brought in a very similar receiver uh, in Marvin Jones who does a lot of the same things you know they're both kind of deep ball guys winning at the point of the catch uh that you hope score a lot of touchdowns um and i i don't think this team has a lot of confidence in dj chark and and i i really don't either
2: yeah the interesting thing to me is when i think of dj chark for some reason he is married to this player in my head i think because they both kind of broke out in the same season even though this player that I know we're going to talk about later was a rookie uh, and that's Terry McLaurin. And when I think about the excitement they both had that first season when they were starting to put up numbers, I think both of them were candidates to get picked up off your bench and redraft the leagues. And I just, I feel like these are two players that were in similar situations, you know, uh, not great quarterback play, not very good offenses in general, but, I think you saw with Terry McLaurin, the talent shine through, and it's, it's definitely concerning to see that hasn't happened with DJ Chark as well. And when it
0: comes to Dynasty fantasy football, uh, one of the things that I think you'll hear us talk about a lot is betting on talent, and, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, uh, our main topic of discussion is building block wide receivers for your Dynasty team. Uh, we've chosen five wide receivers all under the age of tw- uh, or not under the age 25 or younger. Cause I think, uh, Terry is 25. Yes. That's yes. right. Yeah. You, who's you know, these guys are all, all guys I think you want to have on your dynasty roster. If you can acquire, Oh them. God, yeah, um, Absolutely. but we want to help kind of, we want to help add some clarity to, you know, what we think of each player, um, who, who we want the most out of these guys, um, and, and betting on the talents that we believe in most. Because I know we have some, some decisions that, that we've made in our own personal rankings that uh, aren't consistent with ADP in Dynasty Leagues. So the five receivers we're going to be talking about are A.J. Brown, C.D. Lamb, D.K. Metcalf, Justin Jefferson, and Terry McLaurin. We, uh, we all gave them, ranked them ourselves. And based on the consensus that we had, uh, we have them ranked in the order I believe I just read off. So let's talk about A.J. Brown. Uh, Nick, you had him ranked highest all the way up at number one. What do you like about A.J. Brown?
2: I mean, what isn't there to like about A.J. Brown? And the rest of these guys, for that matter. I think you said it most. If you could have any of them, you know, this is the cream of the crop when it comes to dynasty wide receivers, Uh, you know, excluding some of those top-tier guys like Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill. But – A.J. Brown, man, 1,000 yards as a rookie on only 80 targets. That's insane, right? Hyper efficiency. That's,
0: that's bonkers. I didn't realize. I, I had not seen those numbers. He had
2: 20 and a half yards per reception his rookie season. Bonkers, like you said. He had over 15 and a half last year. I mean, it, the man is just hyper-efficient. I know Julio came to town and people are a little scared about the immediate future and the target share, but this is an offense that still has Ryan Tannehill. This is an offense that still has Derrick Henry. They're going to run the ball, and that's going to allow for hyper-efficiency. And we know that you know, pretty much whatever A.J. Brown gets, he's going to make the most of. Uh, couldn't be higher on the guy.
0: And that's the nice thing about about A.J. Brown is that he's shown that he doesn't need that that massive sort of volume uh, that some other guys need to to produce for fantasy and to be a productive receiver. Um, efficiency is the name of the game with this offense. Uh, they did lose their offensive coordinator, their play caller, but they hired from within. So you've got to think, you know, they're returning pretty much all of their key offensive personnel. You've got to think they're going to be running the same kind of offense this year.
1: I want to pose this question to both of you because it's something that I've been concerned about when considering whether or not to draft A.J. Brown or whether to trade for him in leagues that have already been established. The amount of touches that Derrick Henry demands kind of scares me a little bit, and it does take away from some of the passing volume that the Titans have. Andrew mentioned that they hired an offensive, a new offensive coordinator from within, Todd Downing, who was elevated from the tight end coach position. So that tells me that they're probably going to run a similar system that Arthur Smith had, based on the success that they previously had. Do you think that the amount of run volume affects your opinion of AJ Brown or any other pass catcher in the Titans' offense?
2: That's interesting. Do you
0: want to take this? I got my answer. Do you want? To- yeah, yeah. Let me
2: let me spearhead this for you. You can come in and clean them yeah, up. Go for it. Um, sure. That's a fair question, Brady. Because honestly. A lot of times, I look at these run-heavy offenses, and it's it's hard for me to get get invested in wide receivers that already have question marks. But AJ Brown's only question mark to me is the volume, and and we like Andrew said, we've seen he doesn't need the volume to put up massive fantasy performances. Uh, I I don't I don't think it scares me at all off of AJ Brown, not this year or you know any year in the future.
0: I, volume is an interesting thing, and and I think for me, AJ Brown has shown has shown the efficiency, and the offense itself has shown the efficiency that volume isn't my concern. And if anything, I I think Derrick Henry's touches go down this season, um, not in such a way that it's detrimental to the team. But I mean, Derrick Henry has led the league in carries at least the last two years. Um, like he he's going to have to slow down. Like Derrick Henry, don't get me wrong, is not built like any other human being is not built like that any man other is running an extraterrestrial. At some point he, he, he has to slow down, right? Like you cannot, he, his body physically cannot keep up at some point with that amount of carries. And now that you have Julio Jones and AJ Brown, like you have the receiving weapons where even if you're not basing every play off of, you know, two runs and then a play action pass, like every drive that, that way, you know, you got wide receivers that will get open. You know?
1: Yeah. You're not wrong here. And Nick had mentioned only one question mark. I'll, I'll offer that there's another question mark with A.J. Brown. He did have surgery on both of his knees this off offseason. Uh, and as, a, as, Fair. A resident, resi- Fair. as the resident uh, health uh, professional in this group, I, I do have to point that out. He was told that he was done for the year in week two last year, but he did end up playing all year uh, last season. And to me, there's just some question marks about his longevity. He is already dealing uh, with those knees and is missing some practices this training camp. So I would just say that that's one thing to look out for with AJ Brown is those knees and how long he can have a career um, with, with some pretty valuable uh, joints giving him issues already.
2: Yeah, fair enough. I mean, the injuries have definitely been a concern with him. Uh, I typically try not to project injuries with with most players um just like you know you typically don't project efficiency but Fair i think aj brown's been someone that's just kind of broken the rules of man thus far
0: besides derrick henry well it's and if you if you worry too much about industry or industry in, excuse me injuries if you worry too much about in, injury you uh you may be wrong and it may come back to bite you. You you look at players like Dalvin Cook who people were out on a couple of years ago because he just had the reputation of being injury prone. You know, football's a dangerous game and people will get hurt, but they'll also beat the odds. All right, the second wide receiver in our discussion is CeeDee Lamb. Um CeeDee Lamb ranked number 2 consensus. Uh I think off the strength of me putting him at number 1, um I could be wrong about this. I think CD is. I think he's he's the last of these receivers in terms of ADP right now. Yeah, that's correct. And you know, so me putting him at one, I could be dead wrong. I
2: have him second. But here's
0: what I, you have him, you yeah, have him second. I'm with you. But but. You know, in terms of actual, you know, the fantasy football community in Dynasty, his ADP right now is the lowest out of any of these guys. And there's something to be said, you know, for having shown production. Um, Obviously, he's only been in the league one year. um, But he he had a very good rookie season with uh, primarily Andy Dalton and Ben DiNucci throwing him the ball. Um, Now that that Dak Prescott's coming back, CeeDee Lamb is entering his second year in the league. I just I don't think you could get anything better. I think within a year or two, CeeDee Lamb could end up being the number one receiver drafted in Dynasty, and that's the kind of value I'm looking for. That's the kind of take. Hot I look take. I look at I look at CeeDee Lamb and I see DeAndre Hopkins. Wow. I see someone who is so talented that they demand targets, they demand the ball thrown in their direction. If you if Dak Prescott is in trouble, and he just wants to heave the ball up to someone, throw the ball to CeeDee Lamb because he's <sighs> going to go up and get it more often than not. Preach. CeeDee Lamb was my favorite wide receiver coming into the draft last year. Not trying to slight anything that Justin Jefferson did. He had an amazing rookie season, the best rookie wide receiver season of all time. But when I think about ceilings, I think CeeDee Lamb has a higher ceiling um, than than maybe any player right now, than maybe any offensive player.
2: Wow. Wow. You really just laid it all out there for us. And, you know, as someone who has a lot of shares of C.D. Lamb right now, thank you. I appreciate that sentiment. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I think you really said it all. He was my favorite player in what was supposed to be a incredibly deep wide receiver draft class last year. Um, terrible quarterback play that he somehow shined through He's getting moved all around the offense. All the reports say that he's going to be involved heavily, even more than last year. And, you know, I think you said it right. Sky's the limit.
1: Andrew, you poured some gasoline on that fire. There were some hot takes coming out of there. <laughs> uh, I do believe the talent is there. We haven't seen him with a full season of Dak Prescott yet. I am interested to see how that goes. I can't argue with any point you made. I think that he does have the potential to be an elite level talent.
0: Like I will say, and I try and avoid this as much as possible. Um, but training camp hype, and then on top of that, this season there's the hard knocks hype, which which always factors into everything.
2: It compounds. It, it, it will really does.
0: It really does. And and that's why that's why I preface by saying I, I could be I could be way off on this, but I don't think I am. I think I think C D Lamb could be the like. I, I've said too much already. We'll wait and see how it plays out this season. You know, another point <laughs> in his favor, he's, what, 22, 23 years old, going into his second year. Ton of space for growth. Yeah, he's a young man. Um, Yeah. So third on our list is uh, DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf, wide receiver for the Seattle Seahawks. Brady, you had him ranked number one. Do what I just did. <laughs> Yeah, I don't
1: know that I'm going to be pouring as much gasoline on there as you did, but I'll I'll give my best impersonation. I had DK Metcalf at one because he has arguably the best quarterback in this group of receivers and uh, quarterback play is huge, um, obviously, because he has to distribute the rock. And his team, meaning the Seahawks, uh, also have the lowest run volume of this group, which I think is something I factor into a lot of my decisions when it comes to Choosing running backs and wide receivers is how much volume is there. I'm a big uh, believer in the volume. They also have a new offensive coordinator in this group, uh, Shane Waldron. He most notably worked for the Patriots and Rams. So he comes from that McVay coaching tree that uses a lot of zone run scheme and bootleg concepts that I think will allow Russell Wilson to use his mobility and accuracy outside the pocket. I also think that new coaches want to keep their jobs by getting the best players the ball. And DK Metcalf is a physical specimen. You know, you've seen you've seen the videos, uh, he's he's a large man. The photos, yeah, very large, very fit. Um, So I think this guy being a physical specimen, they're gonna want to get him the ball uh, this year and for years to come. He's also the youngest player of the group besides Justin Jefferson, and he's been compared to Megatron. Even though DK didn't didn't necessarily like that comparison, I think it does speak to how other people are evaluating him. In terms of talent and ability, and that those are some big shoes to fill, and I think he's capable
0: of filling. Is them. it Is it Met- Metcalf-tron? Is that yeah? I don't think that works as well as as the Maple Tron <laughs> out there in, in Pittsburgh. All right, we'll we'll workshop. Have to come up with a good we'll workshop with
1: DK.
2: Yeah, yeah, we'll have something. We'll have something soon. Um, I'll I'll I will preface this by saying I was by far the lowest of the three of us on DK Metcalf um, out of these five receivers. Put some water on that fire. Yeah, I'm just going to come with some opinions real quick. He's, like you said, a physical specimen. But I got to disagree where you said that, you know, this is an offense that's going to run the ball less than the others. I know last year they kind of let Russ cook. That was a thing in the beginning of the season. But I think, you know, we've seen, and Pete Carroll has even said, he wants to run the football. Um, I I think we're going to see some higher run totals this year from this offense, and I don't know that that necessarily speaks poorly for the ability for DK to have big games. You know, that can definitely set up the play-action pass and open up the downfield looks for him. But... uh I, I don't know. I'm a little worried about the the limited route tree up to this point of his career, and um, I, I just I I don't know. I I think he's an unreal talent, great player, but he's uh, he's not my favorite of these guys.
0: I remember seeing an interesting write up um, by a by a, by a Reddit user. Take it what you will. It was it was it was about Shout it was out. about Tyler Lockett. I'm sorry, I I don't have the specific credit for this. You know, I'll try and find it later. Um, it was about Tyler Lockett and, um, about, uh, last season, the, the routes that he ran and the routes that all of the Seahawks, uh, receivers were running were very uncreative and it made it very easy to defend them. Um, new offense coordinator this year, uh, as Brady, you mentioned from the McVay coaching tree, um, that's, you know, they're going to want to run the ball. They probably will run the ball, but you know. McVay's offense has also been efficient, like even with Jared Goff at quarterback. um, Maybe not to the level of of a team like the Titans with the run and and the play action. But there is something to be said. I think new coordinator could try and expand DK Metcalf's route tree. DK Metcalf, also very young, uh, I think 23, going into his third season. Certainly, I think, has the best quarterback of the group uh, at this stage. DK Metcalf very talented wide receiver he'll be good moving on uh Justin Jefferson Justin Jefferson we've ranked at number four I believe the highest ADP of anyone on our list uh by the community standards Justin Jefferson had the greatest rookie wide receiver season of all time let's not sugarcoat it he was
2: yeah absolutely incredible
0: you know there were some questions about him Coming into the league, you know, he wasn't even the best wide receiver on his team, as they said. Um, He was the best receiver on the Vikings last year by a long shot. No disrespect to Adam Thielen, great receiver, but Justin Jefferson could just do things that he couldn't, especially at this stage of his career. The ability to separate is unreal. Justin Jefferson ended up eighth in the league in team target share last year among wide receivers. And that was with, he, he demands, demands it. It. That was with, that was with.
2: He's a little target hog. <laughs>
0: <laughs> thank you for that. That was with, you know, pretty, pretty uninspired usage throughout the first half of the season. Justin Jefferson really didn't get, didn't really get, you know, deeply ingrained and involved in this offense until like week seven, week eight. Uh, and then Kirk Cousins just started throwing the ball all the time because he was always open. He was always open. Um, incredibly talented wide receiver the reason that I have him again don't dislike any of these wide receivers just like some more than others the reason that I have Justin Jefferson ranked I believe I have him ranked third um, is because I have some questions about the quarterback play I think Kirk Cousins is you know not a great quarterback I think he's I think he's a good NFL quarterback and he has supported good fantasy wide receivers over the years but also, not likely to be there much longer, if you believe reports out of Minnesota. Think the the team is a little bit fed up with being where they're at, not making it any further. Ask
2: Everson Griffin. <laughs> Everson. Sorry, everything. Everton.
0: Everson. Griffin. Get that right. Now. Everson Griffin just went back.
2: Yeah, yeah. He he had to announce that he's going to personally apologize to Kirk Cousins today. <laughs> <laughs> um.
0: Besides Everson Griffin, I believe there are others in, in Minnesota, also not the biggest fans in the organization um, of Kirk Cousins. I'm a little concerned about, about where, you know, anytime you get a new, introduce a new quarterback into the situation, you know, there are a lot of question marks. But Justin Jefferson, great wide receiver.
1: Yeah, Andrew, like you said, Justin Jefferson's route running, top tier. You saw the separation he got last year. As someone who had a lot of Justin Jefferson stock last year, was very happy with the way he performed. He's also only, you know, I think 22 years old at this point, And typically receivers reach their peak between 27 and 31 years old. So if you can find someone at 22 who's producing wide receiver two, wide receiver one type numbers, uh, that that could mean a decade of production, which is huge. I think, you know, some of the things that leaves in question marks for me, I also have Justin Jefferson at third in this group, um, is that he does have Kirk Cousins as his quarterback, who is serviceable, I think would be the best word to to summarize. I think he can get you a good above 500 season, but he's not someone that's going to lead you to the Super Bowl. So that's kind of the reason I knocked him down a few notches. I also think that teams will start to shade coverage to Justin Jefferson to cover him this year because the secret's out. He's a very good receiver, and secondaries in the NFC North are pretty stacked. You have Jair Alexander in Green Bay. You have Jeff Okuda in Detroit. You have Jalen Johnson in Chicago. So I have a feeling that you're going to see some of those top corners and even some safeties shading to his his side this year, which, which could pose some problems. The last thing that I had that kind of knocked Jeff down a little bit is something similar to what I had for A.J. Brown is the volume. The Vikings are a big run-first team. Dalvin Cook gets a lot of volume. That kind of takes away some of the passing attempts and some targets for Justin Jefferson, Again, that's just part of the puzzle that kind of had me questioning whether or not to put Justin Jefferson into that top two, and which is the reason I had him at three.:
2: Yeah, so once again i was I was the lowest on J Jeff here, uh, which was actually pretty crazy to me because um, I think I probably would have been the highest on him if you asked me two months ago. but the, a couple of things that have just kind of set in with me, and I'll be quick. Justin Jefferson, like you guys said, the quarterback. I like Kirk Cousins. I think he'll get the job done. Um, I don't know what his immediate future with the team is, and you know that leaves me concerned. Kellen Mond, I don't think is necessarily going to be the answer. I hope I'm surprised, but I don't know if I see it. Um, and other than that, I I do expect this team to run the football more. And even though that might open them up downfield, I think it's possible that in the current play system with a defense, that's going to be much more improved and probably not need to throw the ball as much. We might've seen Justin Jefferson's ceiling, not from a talent perspective, but from a offensive uh, volume perspective. I think it's you know, its I possible. I
0: really hope that Justin Jefferson's ceiling wasn't reached in his rookie season. Um, I'm not too concerned about that. Um, you know, it's 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 interesting though when we look at it, 'cause we've talked about we've talked about running the ball and and you look at this list of guys, you know, you got the Titans, Derek Henry gets the most carries in the league. The Cowboys, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, huge part of that offense. Same with the Vikings and Dalvin Cook. Um, the Seahawks, Pete Carroll has talked endlessly about how much more he wants to run the ball. And um and the next guy up on the list, Terry McLaurin. You know, they have uh Antonio Gibson is a very talented young back and they have a defense that's, that's going to shut some teams down. Like all, all of these, all of these receivers, I think project to be on teams with, if not, you know, a run heavy offense, then a pretty even split. Um, you know, I, I, is there something to be said for, for that, that model of efficiency to, to take the place of some volume, you know, when you can, when you have to make teams bite on the run, and it opens up things for the receivers?
1: It could very well be that because these teams have such an established ground game, that it does open up the pass more. I think that's something that McVay has tried to utilize in uh, L.A., and something that we saw Ryan Tannehill do last year with the Titans. I mean, teams had to respect Derrick Henry inside, and that opened it up on the outside for guys like A.J. Brown and Corey Davis. So it could just be that, I'm totally wrong. And the run volume is important for opening up the pass game. Um, But there are also, there's another school of thought that, you know, volume is key and the amount of targets is key. So when you have an established run game, that can take away. But there's more than one way to skin a cat, as they say.
2: Yeah. I think it's, I think it's a combination of both. You know, I think you need not only the efficiency or the talent. But you need to mix it with the volume. You can't have one without the other or else it necessarily won't work. And even if it does work, you'll never reach your full potential. So let me tell you about a guy that's got both. It's Harry McLaurin. It's time. Enough dodging him. The man is an alpha dog receiver. And I won't hear otherwise. Um, He's a beast. Like like I said earlier, I compare him in my mind a lot to DJ Shark just because you know, similar breakout years, and they're just two completely different stratospheres right now. Um, Terry McLaurin hasn't had the quarterback play, but he's got one now. I mean, Alex Smith is gone. He's got a quarterback that, you know, might not be the most efficient, might not be the the franchise guy, might not be the long-term solution, but ever, he likes to sling the rock.
0: the playoffs once in his career.
2: We're not talking about the playoffs, baby. We're talking about elite fantasy wide receiver production. And Ryan Tannehill slings the rock. He wants to air it out. And... Ryan Fitzpatrick, I'm sorry. It's been a long day. Don't disrespect Fitzmagic like that. But, I mean, seriously. Terry McLaurin, if you look at his stats from last year, the only thing missing in this guy's repertoire was touchdowns. He only had four touchdowns on the year. And I expect this offense... With or without Ryan Fitzpatrick being at the elite level you guys hope him to be at, um, I think they're going to score a lot more touchdowns, and I think Terry McLaurin's going to benefit.
0: You know, I I can't argue, I won't argue with any the the talent that is Terry McLaurin. I absolutely love to watch the things Terry McLaurin can do on a football field. He's incredible. Um, I think where I think there are two things that knock him down my list a little bit. Uh, one is age. He's the oldest wide receiver on this list. He's twenty five years old. About a year older than AJ Brown, everyone else I think is about at least two years younger. Um, and hasn't even hit his prime. Though. No, he hasn't hit his prime, and he's still someone I would love on my team. Um, but you know, eight years of production versus ten years of production—these are these are small small differences, um, but differences nonetheless. And uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, sure. love Ryan Fitzpatrick the person. The man is entertaining as anything to watch. Um, but, you know, he, he just hasn't done it. Like, he he has supported for a time some good fantasy options, but the, the long-term success isn't there. This is a team. This is a team that wants to make the playoffs. This is a team that made the playoffs last year and expects to be back uh, in what is, you know, a pretty pretty weak division and... If if Ryan Fitzpatrick isn't getting the job done, if he's not winning football games, then he's not going to play. He will get benched. It's been a long time since Ryan Fitzpatrick has played a full football season.
2: I don't think it'll matter. I don't think it'll matter. Terry McLaurin, it, just look at last year. The man was a beast. Uh, no,
0: I, and that's fair. Like, Terry McLaurin has shown the
2: ability. And who do you have? Alex he's Smith? He's shown the ability to
0: produce with, with very below average quarterbacks. I'm just saying, you know, in the same way with Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins' future. I don't know about the future of the quarterback position on that team. And I'm not even so certain, like, about this season, you know? I And don't be wrong. He will produce with anyone. But you would like to have some assurances that you at least week to week will know who his quarterback's going to be.
2: Fair enough, yeah. I
1: think we all love talent with Terry McLaurin. We, know, we all agree that the QB future is uncertain. And I think that just makes us concerned about the floor for him every week, whether or not he can consistently get you you know, those wide receiver one numbers, because like we said, these are all players that we would all have on our teams, but this is a decision that you might have to make, you know, in your draft or when making trades about which of these, you know, wide receiver ones, you know, maybe high end wide receiver twos you would like to have on your team. I kind of want to pivot away from these young guns and I want to talk about some old heads, some veteran value uh, at the receiver position. And these are guys that are considered, um high end value right now based on their ADP or their rankings uh amongst experts and love a good, I wanna start with Andrew love a good here. veteran value and Yeah, I wanna start with Andrew here because I know he has he's been pretty passionate about his veteran value. Andrew who who's the, the old head that you're looking out for this year that you want on your team? The um
0: the old head. No no disrespect uh intended here. Um Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones is the wide receiver, the veteran wide receiver that I'm targeting in a lot of places. One of the important things, especially here when we talk about, like, when we were talking about our young cornerstone wide receivers, if you can get them, go get them. If someone's trying to give them away, go grab them. Veteran value, this is someone you're looking for. Um, say you're in a Michael Thomas. Say you're a Michael Thomas owner. You're missing a receiver for the first who knows how long of the season, and you need someone to fill in for a couple weeks and just be just be consistent while while you're waiting for your stud to get back, know what you're buying, know your team situation, know that you're not going to have these guys on your team forever, but that they can provide some value in the immediate future. And if that's what you need, Marvin Jones, the, you know, going off of what I said about DJ Chark earlier, don't really believe in DJ Chark this season or with this organization. Marvin Jones was handpicked by Urban Meyer to come in. Uh, he's been involved in the, in the preseason games. I think, you know, he's, he's a guy who's one of the least sexy names in fantasy, but constantly undervalued. He, he just, he produces. Um, and, and I think he has a real chance to be the number one wide receiver on this team, catch the out, lead the team in touchdowns. Um, and he's not, he's not very expensive at all. You can get him in the, in the late rounds of your, of your startup draft or probably like sell a third round pick to someone, maybe even less. Um, maybe, maybe they want a, a, a young wide receiver, Maybe you sell him Hollywood Brown get Marvin Jones in return. Very quickly, Andrew.
2: I would
1: do that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
1: Nick could not hop on that any quicker. Um, Andrew, are you concerned that Marvin Jones is going from an established NFL quarterback in Matt Stafford to a brand new NFL rookie, uh, Trevor Lawrence?
0: Well, look, I, I don't think that he's necessarily going to come straight out of the gate and, and you know, put up the type of numbers that he was putting up with Matthew Stafford. But if there was any other quarterback, if he was going to have to play with a young rookie quarterback, might as well be the highest-rated prospect out of college since Andrew Luck. That inspires inspires some sort of confidence in me. Trevor Lawrence is a baller. We haven't talked about quarterbacks yet, but Trevor Lawrence is a baller. I think he'll be great. And, you know... Sometimes you need to lean on a veteran receiver when you're a young quarterback. Fair enough, Who wants fair enough. next? Nick, you go next. I know you're excited. I know you're real excited about oh, this. Oh, man.
2: Yeah, I had to take a deep breath just so I could calm myself. I don't want to get Nick, too worked this, up here. Is this your favorite but, player I mean, in
0: fantasy football at the moment?
2: Oh, man. it's It's crazy because I think I've had him just in redraft every year the past four years probably in just about every league uh i don't i don't know what it is i'm addicted to robert woods because he's just so damn cheap all the time it's crazy to me um the man was the wide receiver 11 14 13 those are his last three fantasy finishes and that was with jared goff and i think we've seen the jared goff show wasn't all that we uh necessarily cracked it up to be when he got that big contract that Detroit's going to enjoy playing. I I, I don't know, man. What's not to like? He's getting a massive upgrade at quarterback. The Rams threw the ball 630 times in 2019. So they've done it. Sean McVay is going to tailor the play calling, the play style to the talent he has on the field. And I think if you have Matthew Stafford, a gunslinger, a certified stud at quarterback, you're going to get it in your playmaker's hands. And we've seen Sean McVay get Robert Woods involved in a multitude of ways.
1: And Sean McVay has been very, very vocal about how excited he is to have Matt Stafford on the team. So he's definitely going to utilize him and his arm talent this year. I had to fasten my seatbelt in and before that take, or before <laughs> that, that little rant there by Nick, because I knew he was going to be coming in hot. But I, I can't disagree yeah. with him. He he made all fair points. I think Robert Woods is going to be uh, one of the one of the top ten receivers in fantasy this year and for a few years to come. I mean, this is a dynasty podcast after all, and so I think he's someone that you want to get on your team right now before people realize that his outlook with Matt Stafford is unbelievable.
2: In Dynasty, I mean you could you could realistically get the man for as little as a second round pick, i think in some cases, maybe a second in someone who's just kind of a, a bench throwaway Sucking player. It, Brown. Someone, like a Marquise Brown, someone that someone might have the confidence to maybe put in their flex on a weekly basis. Can I say one super scorching hot take for Robert Woods real quick, and I'll die on, this, Go Go on this hill? Go for it, son. Robert Woods, top eight PPR wide receiver this year.
0: Scorching hot. Sheesh.
2: The man should be... The man should be a top 12 dynasty wide receiver. I know he's 29, but I think you put you put Matthew Stafford on this team and he might explode. Can I ask you,
0: Nick, real quick about another guy who's a very similar age, I think about the same age, and uh, in a similar situation, just got a massive upgrade at quarterback, um, has been a vital part of his offense for years, um, and actually do it. has had has had a ceiling of do fantasy finish higher than any of Robert Woods. Cooper Cup.
2: I love Cooper Cup. I love Cooper Cup this year, let's be honest. Um, I mean, he's a little bit younger than Robert Woods even. And I, I see their projections a lot the same. I think they came in, you know, within 10 to 15 points of each other in my projections. Uh, but to me, I'm... I'm banking on Robert Woods being involved as much as possible. I mean, we've seen Cooper Cup the target hog. You know what I'm saying? But, (laughs) you know, Robert Woods gets the manufactured touches. They want him involved, and I think an upgraded quarterback is only going to help.
0: um, Just looking at last year's stats, obviously hard to project them onto this season with a new quarterback. You know, you don't know who's going to develop the best relationship right off the bat cooper cup twenty three point six percent of the targets robert woods with twenty three um cooper cup with twenty four point six of the teams receiving yards robert woods with twenty two point four percent the kicker last year though Cooper cup with only fifteen percent of the team's touchdowns receiving touchdowns Robert woods with thirty yep. percent last year um you know there's this perception that robert woods is is a uh you know a, just a kind of a a reception monster a volume guy but he he'll find the end zone. Um I was just going to make the case that possibly both of them could be veteran values but but love Robert Woods and and the Absolutely. Team. Um and you know, if you're not buying them, if you already have them, maybe maybe someone uh someone someone wants to buy from you um and wants to overpay once this season starts and people see just how how good they are. Brady, who's who's your veteran value wide receiver? Yes,
1: yeah, so my veteran that I'm loving for this year and for years to come is Robbie Anderson. So some quick stats about Robbie Anderson. He finished last season as wide receiver 19 in PPR leagues, which puts him in the wide receiver 2 range. However, right now he's ranked in the mid to high 40s among receivers, which is the wide receiver 4 range, and I cannot figure out why. He received 36% 36 of the team's total targets last year, which was 6th in the league. Yes, he was targeted more than DJ Moore. He also has previous chemistry with Sam Darnold. The offensive coaching staff hasn't changed, so the scheme should be similar. He should be running a similar route tree. And to play devil's advocate with myself, I even try to think of reasons why he was ranked so low. And I understand they drafted Terrace Marshall, but they also lost Curtis Samuel. So I think those two roster moves cancel each other out. The only reason I could think that he was ranked that low in that, in that you know, wide receiver forty range is experts might be worried that the target share will look a little different with Christian McCaffrey back this season, but I think there's still plenty of opportunities for Robbie Anderson. He's only twenty-eight, so he has two to three, two to three solid years left in him. So I don't think you know he's going to be a one-season winner for you. I think if you can get him now, you could get him as a productive flex option or even maybe a wide receiver two for the next
0: few years to come. Yeah, you know, Christian McCaffrey, when you talk about him coming back, it's a it's a different beast than, than you know, a lot of, almost any other running back in the league, because Christian McCaffrey is a guy who could legitimately lead his team in targets and has before. Um, so, you know, you're not like getting a, a running back back who's going to have 50, 60 targets, but, but probably double that. Um, and then the only other thing I have to say is that, You know, if you bring in someone with Sam Darnold's resume that's not named Sam Darnold had previously played with Robbie Anderson, quite possibly a cause for concern among receivers. Um, I don't know. You know, we'll see. We'll see how Sam Darnold does.
1: I can't argue that Sam Darnold's previous resume is not as impressive as some would like. But I think you've seen people come out from the Adam Gase umbrella, like Ryan Tannehill, who revitalized their career on a new team. I know that's compare that comparison has been made a lot this offseason. I am one of those believers who thinks that Sam Donald will kind of rejuvenate his career. The Panthers did pick up their his fifth-year option, which means they at least plan to keep him for a season or two. I know, you know, they've been in talks for Deshaun Watson. We won't get into that situation. It's it's certainly complicated, but I think you're right in that Sam Donald hasn't proved himself yet. Uh, But I think this is his chance. And whenever you're facing some adversity, you kind of go back to your fundamentals. You go to what you know. And what Sam Donald knows is Robbie Anderson will certainly catch the ball and produce for him.
2: Fair enough. Um, I I don't see a whole lot of concern to be scared off Robbie Anderson for Sam Donald. I mean, to be honest, Teddy Bridgewater is – as solid of a real life NFL quarterback as he is, he's not necessarily going to win you ball games with his arm. Um, I think Sam Darnold's turnovers have definitely been an issue because, you know, if the offense isn't on the field, you can't score fancy points. But in terms of, the playmaking, I think uh, you can really go, only go up. So, yeah, why not Robbie Anderson? Um, and,
0: you know, I talked about resumes. If you stop Sam Darnold's resume right after the draft and pick him up right now, then all you have is uh, the number three overall pick, I think. So, I mean, that's pretty good too. <laughs> all right, uh, let's finish up. We're going to kind of revisit uh, our first segment with the wide receivers that we were avoiding at all costs. We're going to see just how far we can stretch that. Um, Brady, why don't you explain what we're going to be doing here?
1: Yeah, so this, for our last segment here, we're going to do what we hope to be a recurring game uh, that we'll be playing at the end of our position-focused podcast, so each of us will be using um, our, quote, avoid-at-all-costs player for this game, Uh, so each of us will be presented with players that have similar consensus value, or ADP, to our player to avoid, and we will have to say, do or die, and that is the title of the segment, do or die, so... Do means you'd rather roster the player that you said to avoid. Die means that you'd rather roster the player presented over the player to avoid. So most of the time, there will be more dies than dos, but you'll have a chance to sort of hear us make some quick comparisons and see where we value uh, some of our players to avoid compared to other options. So why don't we start with Andrew. Andrew, your player to avoid, I believe, was DJ Chark. So mm-hmm. I'm going to pull up a list of receivers that have similar value to DJ Chark. And I'm going to ask you whether or not you will do or die.
0: I'm ready. I'm ready to reject DJ Chark. All right.
1: We'll start <laughs> with Brandon Cooks.
0: <laughs> Uh, oh my god I know Um, I had to start you out with a doozy die Um, I was gonna say are you kidding me the production (laughs) it's the the history of production Brandon Cooks is insanely good target him where you can because he's uh, he probably should have made it under the veteran value segment but um, also just trying to avoid Houston at all costs fair enough
1: Debo Samuel die that one's easy Tyler Boyd die Devonta Smith Die Antonio Brown
0: Die I think Mike. Antonio Brown's m- much older but but I love the situation Fair enough Mike Williams Die love Mike Williams
2: Yep Curtis
0: Samuel Please stay on the field Mike Williams Uh, uh I'm going to say do on that one Um Okay Look, I know Curtis Samuel. Let's talk about Curtis Samuel for just a second. Wow! I know Curtis Samuel had his breakout last year. Um, Love the talent of Curtis Samuel. Look, if I have to be realistic about DJ Chark, there's still a chance he ends up with over 100 targets this season.
2: Um, Absolutely. Someone has to catch the ball.
0: Yeah, uh, after LaVisca Chennault and uh, Marvin Jones and Travis Etienne, maybe. Um, Look, Curtis Samuel... I, I was so confused earlier this offseason. Sorry, this is a brief tangent. I was so confused earlier this offseason when I saw that people were excited about Curtis Samuel reuniting with Ron Rivera in Washington. Yeah, Curtis Samuel's an instant upgrade as a wide receiver too. Uh, he should see a fair amount of targets. Ron, Ron Rivera is not the the coach that unlocked Curtis Samuel's potential. Curtis Samuel was pretty limited, not really a fantasy contributor at all until... Matt Rule and, and Joe Brady came in and they started using him in a bunch of different ways. They started handing him the ball. They started you know, Nick the the, the phrase you used earlier. Started manufacturing touches for him because he's an extremely talented player and they wanted to get the ball in his hands. And so I'm worried about Curtis Samuel this year. Not a guy that I'm avoiding at all costs, especially not in Dynasty. Um, he's only 25, I believe. Um, and, and I think he's 24, 24, 25. He's uber talented. I'm not all that inspired by him being reunited with Ron Rivera. Hopefully Ron Rivera watches what what Matt Rule and Joe Brady did last year and they try and repeat that is all I can say.
2: Yeah, I, I think that's all valid. But what I like to think about is that, you know, over the course of a player's career, as you see him get unlocked, you see potential happen, you see where he thrives. I think talented coaches that have been for a long time will – pick up on that and implement it the best they can. Ron Rivera, you know, he, he has been around for quite a while. I think, I think he'll figure it out.
1: All right, Andrew, fair enough. We see where you value um, DJ Chark uh, mm-hmm. against some of the players um, around similar rankings. Well, let's pivot now to Nick. Nick's player to avoid was Marquise Brown. Nick, remember, if you want Marquise Brown, you're going to say do, but if you'd rather have the name I present to you, you're going to say Die. Uh, so let's kick some names at you. We'll start with Jalen Waddle. Die. Devontae Parker.
2: Oh, my God. I know. I, so that's tough. I'm I'm not a Devontae Parker fan. Um, I'll say Die just because I want to see what else you can come up with. <laughs> All right. That's close, though.
1: Fair enough. Michael Pittman. Die. Darnell thank you die. Yep. McCole Hardman.
2: Do. <laughs> yeah. I'll do it there. Okay. I should have honestly I should have done it on Devontae Parker, but I I, I didn't want to end the game for myself so early. Um yeah, Cole Hardman, I don't know, man. It he's kind of in a similar similar situation for me as Marquise Brown, but at least. We've seen Marquise Brown semi-produce consistently. I mean, not even consistently, but compared to Meikle Hardman, uh, it's all the consistency in the world. Yeah,
1: fair fair enough. The experts really were not playing to your favor for this game. I'll hit you with one more name here. Okay. Actually, we'll go two more names. Let's go with Jalen Rager.
2: Do. Ooh,
1: okay. And then, last, last but not least, Henry Ruggs.
2: Man, I'll I'll go die because I think I think Henry Ruggs still is is untapped. But but man, is does it not look good? Does it not look good right now? And I don't know about Gruden. It's that's messy. Fair
0: enough. Um, I'll uh, I'll get into this more later. But I believe I am the Derek Carr stand of the podcast. Um, And you know, interested to see what Henry Ruggs can do this year. Uh, All right, Brady. This one is, is going to be a more interesting set of names. Uh, you went big and bold, went up for Michael Thomas. Um, so let's see, Brady. Do or die? Um, DJ Moore. Die. Keenan Allen. <clears throat> die. Mari Cooper. Mm-hmm. Die. Brandon Ayuk. Die. T Higgins. Die.
2: Dear Lord.
0: Deontay Johnson die <laughs> Oh my God. Jerry Judy <laughs> do okay. okay I'll stop you right there I was gonna no. say how no. deep See, do we go I, ooh. Um, that's I'll tell you this
1: uh Jerry Judy yeah you explain talented, yourself certainly talented um certainly has a questionable quarterback situation also the whole organization is a little questionable right now they seem to been struggling for a few years can't really seem to get their the, feet the
0: quarterback is elusive the quarterback position is elusive i think the broncos yeah. have a solid roster but man
1: yeah so but i want to kind of get to why some of those names were were die for me a lot of those guys were younger they were featured pieces of their offenses last year and i think they Definitely. have the potential to even increase you know you talk about guys like dj moore and deontay johnson you know dj moore is certainly um, very talented, and is also on that Panthers roster that I'm believing in this year. Deontay Johnson sees a lot of targets from Big Ben Roethlisberger, and I think we'll continue to see targets regardless of who the quarterback is.
0: you <laughs> um, little Peggy too. <laughs> he is, a, he is we're gonna target hogs. We're going to turn that into an actual soundbite sometimes so you don't have to just keep improvising that into the mic. Um, pre- <laughs> I
2: appreciate that.
0: Real quick, two more names I, I want to bring up to you. Guys, I'm pretty sure I, I'm aware you don't like Mike Evans and Kenny Galladay. So I will
1: go do on both of these, and I will explain quickly why. Mike Evans, injury history, also pretty touchdown dependent. Kenny Galladay, he is in a more crowded receiver room with a worse quarterback. I don't think I'll have any arguments there that Daniel Jones is not as good as Matt Stafford. Neither will he ever be. So to Mike Evans and Kenny Galladay were Mike... My- Two of my other candidates for my avoid at all cost player, but like Phil Mickelson always says, you either go big or you go home. I chose to go big instead of staying at home with my player to avoid.
0: Um, yeah. Uh, Michael, Michael, or not Michael? Mike Evans. Um, pretty touchdown dependent. How many years has he been in the league? Do you know off the top of your head, Brady? It's I been do not. seven. I'm gonna. I'm gonna guess it's been six seven. Or seven. It's been seven. Um, how many I, I years would Johnny menzel have been in the league? How many? <laughs> just how many? How many seasons under a thousand receiving yards does Mike Evans have? uh Probably zero, if I had to guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <It> <laughs> I I don't personally.
1: Just, he's one of those names where if he's on my roster every week, I'm nervous about what the injury report is going to look like, and I don't know if it's just bad taste in my mouth and it's, it's personal <sighs> bias. In fairness.
0: He's played 16 games in three different – only in three of his seven seasons. Does it make his 1,000-yard seasons more impressive? I think so, but obviously there's some injury concerns. But. Hey, the
1: the best ability is availability.
2: Fair enough, which I guess, you know, Michael Thomas hasn't really shown either, so I don't know if I, I get that argument with this one. Um,
0: before last season.
2: Right, but, I mean, I feel like if that's his player to avoid and – the guy you're you're doing over has the same concern i, I don't know, but I'm just gonna speak some facts on Michael Thomas real quick. You guys know it's it's hard for me to to do this for a saints player, but mm-hmm. Michael Thomas broke records he's insanely talented i mean the last
0: time to me was yeah he healthy.
2: is yeah, that's what he was to me he is slant guard mike um but the, the man is going to catch passes. He's going to put up points if he's on the field. And I, I think we went a little too far here. <laughs>
1: he's certainly one of those target hogs that you'd like to, to oink for. Um, but like I said earlier, the future is uncertain, especially at the quarterback position down there. And I know as a Falcons fan, that was hard for you to admit that Michael Thomas is one of those elite guys. And I think – I am not surprised by the lack of Kenny Galladay arguments. So I'll leave it at that. Nope.
0: Yep. Well, you certainly heard some opinions today. Um, isn't that what we did? We gave some opinions. That's going to wrap up our first show. Um, thank you so much for listening. Uh, please tell a friend uh, rate, subscribe, follow us on Twitter. We're at DOD underscore FB um hopefully have that up and running with some content pretty soon um, oh yeah we're gonna, it's a, we're gonna have a blog on the way um but yeah so we'll be here back again watch out for the tiktok <laughs> watch out for the tiktok who knows that might be coming too <laughs> you know we'll be here uh again next week and hopefully for many weeks after that um we paid for microphones so we might as well be um but all right uh any last words boys
1: Nah, I appreciate y'all for listening. And, yeah, this microphone cost me two, too damn much for me not to record more than a couple weeks. So, looking forward to doing a couple more of these with you boys.
2: Ditto. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. Just remember, it's uh, free to leave a five-star review. So, uh, we'll uh, see you guys next week. Later.